1: Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plant. Hey, church planner. I am here for another edition of Hardcore Planting. Hardcore Planting? What's my own show? Hardcore Church Planting is the name of my show. Yes, that's why you're here. Okay, you're in the right place. This is Peyton Jones. I'm here today with uh, Chris Green and he is a random, random church planner, ordinary Joe, man of the world, missionary church planner in Europe, which you're already speaking my love language. You had me at Europe. You had me at church planner. You had me at Chris Green. Dang it. So, uh, Chris, welcome on to hardcore. This is a fun show. I hope you have fun. And, uh, brother, it, it, you reached out to me on Twitter. And uh, we we chatted a bit and I was like, man, we got to get you on the podcast. I think one of the, the the directions we're trying to go on this podcast, I have met so many cool people, interesting people, and people that have cool things to say. But part of my dedication to this podcast is I want to bring it back to grassroots, get back in the trenches with church planners actually doing it and hear what God is showing them. So welcome, Chris, to the show.
0: Hey, man. Thanks to be here. It's nice to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Nice,
1: man. Well, hey, um, it, this is really cool. You are a missionary in the Netherlands, right? So yeah. I want to Where exactly in the Netherlands.
0: We're uh, in a village called Bergen or Bergen. Uh, we're about 45 minutes north of Amsterdam. So uh, North Holland is the uh, province that we're in.
1: Right. And one of the cool things about being there – is that nobody actually will own Amsterdam. They're kind of embarrassed of Amsterdam. They're like, oh no, we're not all like that, right? As soon as you go into the country, that's something that they say. You want to elaborate on yeah. that a bit?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, uh, when we first um, started uh, talking about coming here with people, so that we got asked, so are you going to Amsterdam or the Netherlands or Holland? Um, and we said, well, yes, that's kind of all the same place. But our, uh, perception of what the Netherlands is is often Amsterdam because it's such a huge gateway city. Like people thinking that New York or Hollywood are was what all of America is like. Um, so the, the Netherlands, it's a really big mix of of, um, of, of urban and, and and suburban and rural, um, all in a, a land size that's about uh, twice the size of New Jersey. I come from the Northeast, so. Um, so most densely populated country in Europe and so much um, difference culture wise, even if you go a mile in between villages. So to say that, um, yeah, they, they, they do make it clear to outsiders. It's not all like Amsterdam. Um, uh, it's, there's, it's a lot more rich culture than what you just get if you go to the big city.
1: Yeah, it's it's an amazing place. I love the Dutch. So I used to fly through Schiphol every, you know, once or twice a year at least. Um, on my way on KLM, you know, Delta when I was a missionary. So 12 years, I've been through uh, Amsterdam, a, a million times exaggeration, of course, but I love the Dutchman. They're some of the most hospitable, polite people <laughs> and they're just, they're just nice. I mean, you go there. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, you know, that, uh, you know, Anne Frank, you know, she was, she was there, you know, the, 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 the room was there. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff there. I mean, the, the, the bicycling culture, you know, a lot of that stuff that's up in Portland, it, it started there, you know, I mean, the, you know, the Dutch are cool. Many people don't know that New York was actually originally New Amsterdam, that the Dutch had actually originally yeah. colonized and we could have easily have been a Dutch colony. If things had turned out differently.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Now the Dutch kind of get a bad rap in the rest of the world again because everybody judges a lot of the country based on Amsterdam, and you know you think of the people. Uh, at least in Christian circles, think often of the red light district, and right. I've heard people refer to the Netherlands as uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um and it's-, and it's not like that when you get outside of Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's it's like anywhere yeah. else in yeah. Europe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it really um I f there they're the Dutch language is a very direct language, so when Dutch people speak English, they tend to use very direct language. So it comes across abrupt. And so that's kind of why people have gotten a um kind of a sense that the, the Dutch are uh, I, I've heard that the Dutch are cold from people uh, and it's just not true at i don't all.
1: get that at all but you know it's it's funny yep. um i used to play world of warcraft and uh confession time and uh, yeah okay um my I'll two my two remaining friends i don't think i ever made more than two friends playing that game but they're both dutch <laughs> and so when they <laughs> okay. when they and, and here's the funny thing is the dutch and the kiwis the new zealanders they travel yeah. the world, man. The, those are two cultures really? where they yeah. don't stay put. Um, when I was no. traveling the world, I met Dutch people and Kiwis like nonstop. Yeah. And I, I, I quickly yeah. formed a picture that Dutch people don't stay put and Kiwis don't stay put. Um, but you know, it, it's really interesting because, um, you know, I've really, uh, like I said, I've always gotten along well with them. So you are a missionary here. And, and okay, so we've talked about, you know, uh, the Netherlands is not the pit of hell. Um This no, wasn't no. A, a show to, hey, you're in the pit of hell in the red light district. I knew you weren't. But here's the deal. Europe is so much further ahead in its post-Christian, uh secular, mm-hmm. post-modern mindset, post-Christian mindset than america america thinks it's post-christian america thinks it's post uh you know uh modern uh very secular but it's i mean it's not i mean do you have any statistics about uh where religion is at in the netherlands
0: yeah yeah no the um, just first the the way i say it to people in back in the states is it is like uh, Europe is uh, a generation or two, at least ahead of the direction that the states are going in now. Um, the I think where, you know, I haven't lived consistently in the States for five years now, but just judging by conversations, I think where America is right now is kind of reacting against Christianity culturally. So it feels a little bit tougher um, and it feels... I don't know a little bit more intense that moment happened probably i yeah just kind of spitballing it 30 years 30 plus years ago uh in the netherlands it was very strong dutch reformed country um so what you have now is you talk to uh, youth uh young adults that uh, have no relationship whatsoever with the church maybe their grandparents did sometimes their parents did but you're really starting with a blank a blank slate and when it comes to the younger generations and specifically in west uh, northern europe you know uh, that's different as you move more east so the the um, average percentage of uh, i'll clarify that by evangelical christians in europe is less than three mm-hmm. percent in the netherlands we're sitting just under five percent right of the uh, population So it's a, um, yeah, it's just a whole different, it's a whole different atmosphere.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because, you know, you're, you're reaching out there. You are church playing. Tell us a little bit about how you felt called as a missionary to the, how did that happen? And then let's talk about what you've been doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess the short version, um, 2004, I just, I, You know that period of my life where i'm I'm really trying to figure out god what what do you want to do with me um and uh i'm a fourth generation christian third generation pastor on both sides of my family so i I did not want the family business um (laughs) i love i love jesus but i wanted to kind of find my own path um but the lord really that year started just kind of getting a hold of me and Specifically about the church then in the states, but the, this kind of being stuck in the days gone by, and not really recognizing the moment that they're in now and moving forward. Well, um, the Lord used that developing passion, put that passion there. Uh, obviously, and, uh, very quickly after I started putting words to to that, um, I came into contact with a uh, a missionary who is. Uh, going to the Netherlands and i had written this little piece and she had read this piece and she said, that's exactly what that's the Netherlands. That's the Netherlands. And uh, so that I kind of got hooked. So what about this? That's so beating so strongly in my heart. What is that that is happening in the Netherlands? Like, where's the connection? Never really connected that to a personal call for me until about six months later where I still just couldn't shake it. And, um, and uh, it just felt like talking with some pastors that I that I, I trust um, to kind of speak into my life. And they encouraged me just to just to pursue it and, and to see where the Lord leads it. Ended up transferring to uh, a Bible college. Um, it's now North Point Bible College up in uh, Massachusetts. Um, didn't tell anybody that I was headed to the Netherlands. Just kind of wanted to let the Lord uh, unfold that in his timing and uh, met a girl. Um, the thing I said I wasn't going to do at Bible college and um, come to find out after we'd been friends and had kind of started dating uh, a year before we'd met each other at the same time, actually the Lord had been speaking to her about going to the Netherlands as well. So um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, you know, the calling part of it is, sits, is very core to, um, to how we just experience God's leading in, in everything that we do. And I think once you're, once you're over here and um, you you, you and there comes a certain you know there's a even though there's a lot of familiar things in Western Europe um it's still not like home you're still dealing right. with um the unfamiliarity of everything and the disconnection from um just from a lot the, all, everything that you know and so it's constantly revisiting that why I'm not I, I know why I'm here like what brought me here but We've been asking ourselves a lot, um, these past few years, why are we still here? And what, right. what is, what is the Lord doing now? Um, we don't want to stay committed because of something that happened, but it's just that constant searching of, uh, for today's call. And once we came here, um, it, we knew that the Lord was sending us to plant churches, uh, but we didn't have a clue how to do that. Right. Um, and so we, we just kind of, we knew that the Lord was going to teach us how to do that once we got here. So we tried to come as like an open book and um, and just kind of kind of see what happened uh, mm, as we there's went. There's
1: been such a theme this morning on everything I've done today. Uh, I started a two-hour-long coaching call this morning with mm-hmm. um, church planners, and they that was the the theme was being creative. You know, then yeah. I interviewed a guy named Paul J. Pastor today. We'll be on another episode of this, and it was all about creativity, and we tied it with mission. And to be honest, you know, a lot of guys are reading books and taking that and applying it to their missional context, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. work. You can have all these flashy buzzwords and think. And the Lord, I think, many times is is doing that, saying, why don't you talk to me? You know, Paul walked around Athens with no clue how to reach that city and he walked around and God gave him this creative insight. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you learned. How did you learn? Like, what did God start showing you?
0: Well, I think if it's, I, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant to say it this way or close minded, but I do think that the new frontier of missions is secular culture. I think that it's, um, you're, you're out and kind of, it's a, like this wild land almost, even though it's civilized culture and people are, are, uh, we, we just love everything about the Netherlands and the people here, but, um, you can't, the things that worked somewhere else don't work here. Right. So it's kind of forced us back to the, um, uh, back to the core realities of what, what does it mean to be a Christian? in a world uh sojourners and exiles strangers and what does it then look like to uh, step into a position of leadership to take leadership in that kind of context and lead other pilgrims and sojourners and in not only um surviving which i think when the culture started shifting dramatically in the netherlands the church was knocked into a survival mode and a lot of them are still there, um, so not not only leading in a, in the sense of survival, but just this underlying belief that it, it is the Lord's will for His church to grow, for for the gospel to go forward in power. And so, how do you give form to that? And so, the the process of running up against all of our weaknesses and all of the things that we thought would work and and and, and don't work, or um, it's painful at some points, letting go of things and realizing, man, I don't have a clue, but I think that's when the good stuff happens. It really is, man. That's, that's when, that's when, you know, what's the, um, what's that saying? Something like necessity is the, something of innovation.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It really is. I mean, you're forced to, to those creative um, um, right, uh, qualities. Yeah. You, you really have to lean into thinking outside the box, not because it's cool, but because it's necessary. Um, so we started very early on and, and, and it's, I, I do have to say it's all grace because the Lord's just been so good and, and where we landed and the people he surrounded us with, uh, when we landed has been, um, the, 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 like I attribute everything, to or to the, the way the Lord has led it. But we started very early with um, uh, youth outreach centers. So youth were not our thing, was not our thing. Youth ministry, I never thought it was cool enough or I'm, uh, I'm not a life of the party kind of guy. I'm, I'm probably, I don't know, but that was like the last thing I, I want to do. But we just, the Lord just really broke our heart, like gut-wrenching, sick feeling, brokenness for um, for the situation of youth here. And, uh, so we, we partnered up with some, some, just some really great people here in the Netherlands a great church and launched a youth outreach center. Um, and, uh, the story of just how it, how it launched and how much we learned, uh, in that process, it was mm. it, that would end up defining the way that we, that we approached everything here and, uh, really opened up doors for us to gain insight into the, the church at large here in, uh, in our area of the country, at least. Um yeah. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic, uh, man. That's yeah. fantastic. So tell us some stories. What what have been some of the things that you've been able to do? Because I mean, I'm just looking at our um when we first started talking, um, you mentioned that uh you said we and some friends of ours have been pioneering with this idea of extending presence, mm-hmm. intentional Christian presence in public spaces. Now you know you're yeah. speaking my love language <laughs> with reaching
0: the unreached. Cha ching. Yeah. Cha ching. Yeah. Yeah, man. I um, I I do have to say I I um, first started listening to you. I I first heard about you heard you when uh you were on Carrie Newhoff's podcast and uh when you said missionary in Wales and planting churches among unchurched people, um I was hooked. Um because that's really been our um that's been our uh, our our whole thing. Um, it's a different yeah. animal, isn't it? You,
1: you try it really to. Is. I love, I loved how you described your, uh, church plant. You mentioned that, uh, you guys, uh, planted two churches last year, three more this year, and you and your wife are doing one of those right now. And you said it yeah. ain't flashy, but it's movement, <laughs> which is
0: saying a lot in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and, and this, this is the, the thing that really, I had a click with you. There's so much, like you said, there's so much talking about what, what church planning is. And honestly um, it's kind of become uh, kind of sexy to plan a church. And I just, I just, it's I sexy know, to something... talk about. It. It's never sexy to do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Really, really. Um. So we, uh yeah. It, it, it really is just kind of getting out there and making a mess of things and then finding the, 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 the good things among all the mess and then running with that. Um, and and do, obviously we're pursuing excellence and everything, but um, not being afraid to try. So, um, yeah, yeah, we uh, we've been since starting with the youth centers and realizing that um, there's so much that, um, that is, needs to happen and, and in this area of the country. There's the only kind of church plants that have happened in the last uh, generations uh, is uh, from church splits um, or, or dissatisfaction of some kind. So there's never been a really visionary movement for bringing the gospel to new people and seeing things come up from the ground. Um, and so this, this thing, the, the calling extending presence really Has just kind of developed again out of necessity. So it's kind of it's a little similar to the third spaces idea, where you're it's not a it's not your space. It's not all your space that you're inviting them in, and you're not just going to just to wherever. But you're creating an intentional space that's kind of neutral ground. So for us though, we kind of had to drill back down to the principle. What does the principle of that look like? And, and it, it's the principle that uh, belief, the core belief is uh, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Um, and, and I don't see people in the New Testament going to uh, the cities and villages and saying, come with us to the synagogue. I see them going and it's telling them about Jesus himself, and then seeing things happening right where the people are. So um, we just kind of gave words uh, a phrase to a very uh, no no new idea but just trying to trying to communicate it that it's extending the presence of christ and and christian community with intentionality so that we become a a, a church of missionaries and i think that that word has been so key in in shifting the paradigm that we are all sent ones and that god gives gives gifts to the whole church to send them out and not even challenging the notion that the gifts that god gives to us uh, are their primary use is for the body uh but saying could it be also that their primary use is out in the world what's the more consistent pattern that we see in the whole new testament and it's the gospel finding expression through um spirit empowered lives out in the real world yeah and so that's been that's kind of the 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 driving um, force behind uh, behind everything that we've been doing and are doing now.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting because everything you're saying it, it's like my soulmate, right? It's like mm-hmm. um, you know we you and I would would find each other across a crowded room, strike up a conversation and geek yeah. out for hours, right? Yep. Um, I, I believe it. And and we would also talk about you know the uh, the waffles. You know we would talk about that too. Probably put it over <laughs> top yeah. of our. Or a cup of coffee Probably. and then eat them Probably. and wait for them to yeah. turn gooey. Which, if you haven't been to Holland, you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, anyways, that all that to say, um, you know, one of the things I bring up in Reaching the Unreached, and I'm hearing echoes of this chiching, is, um, you know, and and this is why the subtitle is Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. We've lost the ability as mm-hmm. the church to do what you're talking about because Mm -hmm. we've lost the ability to penetrate society. We're now about drawing crowds rather than penetrating a community and, and the apostles specialize in penetrating that community. And so you in Europe, you're forced to do that. God forces you in the European context to start acting like it's the book of acts. The reason why is because you can't attract a crowd. In the same way that you can in America, mm-hmm. you don't have the raw materials to do so. So, so what happens is God uses that as a way to sanctify us as missionaries and to yeah. get us to start. Sorry, my dog's, I don't know if you can hear that. My dog is itching and her collar is jingling. You know, no. you try to yeah, run a yeah. professional podcast. You really <laughs> do. But what happens is that, you know, the, the, the post Christian world, this is kind of, why I'm excited about what's happening in America the post-christian mm-hmm. world you know everyone else is panicking i'm thinking the church has been so sick for so long like we mm-hmm. haven't evangelized we've we've been throwing money and programs and marketing at at yep. the culture thinking yeah. that'll bring them in or you know strobe lights and a and a rock and worship band that sounds like yeah. cold play 20 years ago yeah no yeah. Nobody's sitting at the bar on the bar no. stool, turning to their, 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 their drinking companion and saying, Hey, do you hear about the worship band going on down at such and such community? No, mm-hmm. I know we ought to go check it out. They don't care. Yeah. You know, the, the, yeah. the thing about Europe is they're not hostile to Christianity because Mm-mm. it's not a threat. No, in Mm-mm. America, it's still enough of a presence where it's a bit of a threat. And that's what you're feeling, but that is a blessing. You're still a presence, but. The church, because of its unhealth, doesn't know how to respond to that. And yeah. what's going to happen, and this is part of the chapter in Ju- when I write about Judea, that we're forced out of our comfort. This is what's yeah. happening. We're being forced out. So we have to learn to operate like those Jerusalem Christians did in the yeah. Judean context. And that's where the church plants happen yeah. uh, organically. And so yeah. that's the pro, what I, what I love about talking to you, Chris, is You've, you've embodied exactly what's happened to me and exactly what I think is going to happen to every church planner in American culture eventually. And this is kind of like peering into a crystal ball and saying, here's what's coming, guys. Learn this now before it's too late. Learn it now because you're going to have to learn what Chris is talking about um, in a matter of time.
0: It's such a, you know, it's made somewhere to say, but it's such a gift I think what's happening in the States right now, I know it doesn't feel that way and it feels, you know, that we're suffering the loss of something that we once had, but it's it's painful when you're when it's being ripped from your hands, but when it's gone, you're so grateful that um, it, it, it's been the most from for me personally, you know, I, I believe that our, our our that the ministry is a, an expression of my personal relationship with Jesus. it, it, it is that close to who I am. Um, I don't think it's, you know, I, 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 like I said, I, I told you before, I come from a long line of ministers and there there's a, a train of thought that says, oh, that's I need to keep my ministry separate from my personal life. Uh, that's not possible anymore, especially in our context. It's really close to home. And what I've found in all this that, man, I, it's it this has been the most spiritual spiritually rejuvenating time of my life because I feel like I'm just getting closer to, to Jesus in this whole process. Like I, we just read, um, in the church we're planting now, we just went through uh, the parables of Luke and the, the one, um, where Jesus sends out the 12 and this idea that just go to the villages, Jesus then tell them specifically where to go. It just says go to the villages and preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards. And I just, just kind of walk through this idea of imagine you're one of those disciples and you're just like, okay, where are we going to go? And you get there and you just, what am I going to do? Who am I going to talk to? And, and Jesus gave a little bit of instructions. And I don't know. I, I I just, I think that they probably felt they came to understand Jesus a lot more when they had to step out, just kind of trusting him. And yes, it's just been so, um, yeah, so refreshing. It's tough, man, but it's it's really nice.
1: It is. So I just had a Monty Python moment. We said, you know, go to go to the lepers. Um I thought you said leopards, so I said I had a Monty Python moment. Like, what do you say? Blessed are the cheese <laughs> So special about them. Right? I think he means all dairy, dairy producers in general, you know, the, the, the theologian in the back. But, uh, but, yeah. but not to detract from what you're saying. Sorry, it's, it's hard yeah. living inside my head sometimes. But, um, the, you know, w- w- what, what advice would you give? Cause I, I love where you went with that, that dependency on the Holy Spirit, stepping out in faith. Again, it's kind of like you're the living, walking, talking embodiment of um reaching the unreached um but but that's what i'm loving about talking to you when you reached out to me on twitter i was like you hadn't even read the book and i'm like this guy's embodying exactly and 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 again um you know it's it's what i want our american church planners to realize is this is what's coming like don't don't ignore this stuff you know it's it's very important but what what advice would you give to church planners it could be from anything. And then we'll have our final question and then we'll sign off.
0: Yeah. You know, what I think for me, you did an interview a little bit, uh, back, um, the one, two, one rise. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that, um, I, I, I taught that in these last few weeks. And, uh, I think for me personally too, that's been, uh, that's been a thing. I don't think you can talk about it or read about it. I think you have to do it. Yeah. So, um, you know that that idea of finding one place and and visiting it two times a week and finding one person that seems to be a little bit receptive to you personally and just kind of digging into that relationship over the course of time um and you yeah i think i think the only way to really to get a taste of what we're talking about is really just to get out there and go to a, like an unlikely place yeah. Um, where you where you can't lean on your title as pastor or church planter. You can't lean on the the name of your church. Like go there as yourself and uh, imagine yourself to be one of those twelve or one of the seventy two that Jesus sent out, and just kind of. I, I don't think we can lead people in a direction we haven't been ourselves, and
1: um, so that uh, is so like, key right there. I remember teaching a, a room full of church planners, and I said to them as their first project, it was a very first week. I said, Hey, you have a homework assignment. Um, I need you to go lead someone to Jesus this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they all looked at me like, you know, like this Scared, guy's right? the devil, you know, like, yeah. like, like you can't ask that of us. You know, we've been yeah. hiding behind theological platitudes about God's sovereignty, you know, <laughs> Um and 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 I and I looked at him and said, "What? You wait. You l- let me get this right. You want to plant churches? You want to mm-hmm. go transform society? I've read some of your your newsletters. You want to yeah. go tear it up for <laughs> Jesus in the city? And you're balking if I ask you to lead one person to Jesus this week? Yeah. <clears throat> and and what was rad is that you know, uh, <laughs> I just wanted them to get out there. I didn't care if they led someone to Jesus. Obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's not something like Paul said, God alone gives the increase, but what I can not yeah. control is if I sow water and reap. And, yep. and so here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal is one of the guys you mentioned an unlikely place. He just went to a bus stop with, cause I, I laid down, if you want to reach culture, you serve culture. If you want to reach an individual, you serve them. If you don't have an in, you go serve people and it happens. And yep. so he went and got a Starbucks traveler sat on a bus stop and let a 50, year old professional african-american guy to christ who missed his bus twice went to work (laughs) late but knowing jesus and the guy came back it was like sending out the 72 he came back no one else had led anyone to christ no one had done anything which i knew was kind of typical but this guy had done something and Uh he was shocked he's like how many more people are low-hanging fruit that i just i just gotta get out there
0: it's yeah. addicting, it really is addicting once you realize man it's if I believe that the Holy Spirit is going in front of me and I'm just there to just kind of uh, to see what God is already doing and ch- try to respond in a moment and, and trusting that his word doesn't come back to him void you know you're just leaning on all of God's promises that are already there, and then once you actually see him do awesome things and use you for it um it's, yeah, I think it's really just, it's as simple as making yourself available to God to use you in a moment and doing it intentionally. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's man. just exciting,
1: man. Amen. Well, hey, um, I'm sorry we're out of time, Chris, because we could talk to you all day. I may get you back on here and pick some more stuff apart. But um our final question is the one that everyone waits for, which you know what's coming. But I know, uh, being that you're in Holland, I have chosen very carefully famous Dutch people and one that okay. all of our listeners would know. Um, this was tough because, you know, there's Rembrandt, there's others, but, um, uh, if you were to get in a physical fist fight with Corey Tinboom, who would win? Oh, oh, come on,
0: man. You can't ask me to hit Corey Tinboom. She's big. She's a big lady. She's, she wouldn't live. Yeah. Dude, and she survived the Holocaust. I don't <laughs> like, how can I compare? You know what? I probably would be quicker than her, but yeah. I, yeah. I yeah, know yeah.
1: it is unfair. You were a dead man before you even stepped into the ring. It's true. No, I'm sorry. Really. I did
0: that to you. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was no, unfair. Okay. Me. I, I'll accept, I'll accept defeat in that one. Yeah,
1: yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, she, uh, She, uh, she, she had one of the best liners, one liners of her testimony. She would say, she would start off. I don't know if you ever heard her speak. She'd start Mm -hmm. off and she'd say, I accepted Jesus when I was four. Then she'd pause and she'd say, no, he did not tell me I was too little to believe in him. <laughs> so that was pretty yeah. rad. But yeah, you know, yeah. she, Corey was tough, man. She, she endured all kinds of things and even lice in her hair. And I don't, I don't think yeah. we would bother her. I think she know how to deal with us.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would just kind of lay on the floor and let her just sit on me or something. Yeah. She, you know, though, she, I think she would stomp you. I think
1: she, she would, she would, she would go for the stomping maneuver, you know, she probably would. She
0: probably would. she uh, didn't mess around.
1: Maybe a body slam and then a stomp, you know, like, and I'm thinking she'd have, like, you know, some, like, heavy-duty clogs or something. Maybe
0: wooden shoes. I don't know. Could have been. Stereotype. Not right, I know. She stitched, too. She, like, embroidered things. So, it wouldn't surprise me if she whipped those out and just started, like, uh, stabbing me or something. Oh, needles. Oh, Dang, man, you know too
1: much. This is actually a little bit more scary for you than it is for us in our listening audience.
0: Yeah, it really is, man. I
1: apologize. No nightmares tonight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do my best. Anyways, our listener today has been Chris Green. If you want to get in touch with Chris, Chris, what would be the best way for people to connect with you?
0: Yeah, Chris Green's a hard name to find one person uh, on. I, I think if you any anything, if you go Chris Green NL, uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, just Chris Green NL, and then uh, you, should, uh, you should get me there. NL as a netherlands. So. As a netherlands, yeah, and oh no E on the end of green, just like the color. All right,
1: I dig it, man. Well, thanks for being with us today on Hardcore thanks, Church Steve. Planning, and Arnold, sign us out.
0: Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home.
1: You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.